Oh, hey, welcome into another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, been a rough and tumble first few games for the Barry Colts in their first round playoff with the Hamilton Bulldogs. We'll get an update. Spring is sprung, and while there's still some snow and frozen ground to deal with, there's been a lot of interest expressed in vegetable gardening after watching prices for fresh veggies skyrocket over the winter. Advice for helping your garden grow is on the way. And what's new at Canada's Wonderland this year? But first, First, Brian Orser, Michelle Simpson, Jennifer Robinson, Elvis Stoiko, each has their name in the annals of Canadian figure skating, each made their mark through the Mariposa School of Skating in Barrie, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary on April 10th. Barrie 360's Ian McLennan took a skate through history with Mariposa founder Doug Lee. 50 years, but uh, Doug, there's a, a little bit of history before that too. Maybe you could tell tell everybody who's listening how uh, that all came to be. Well, it all came to be because, you know, when I started coaching in 1969, after my dad passed suddenly, and I was going to go his direction of life, architect, designer, builder, and I really was engaged in that chance in life. But sudden changes happen, and you have to, uh, like life, pick yourself up, get back on your feet, redesign where you could be, and find only the positive things. So you have to find out, oh, I'm making some connections, and all the local skating clubs reached out. Really a figure skating club, Barry Figure Skating Club, Huntsville Figure Skating Club, and it goes on, Penetang Midland Figure Skating Club. They all reached out and said, would you like to put your skates back on and, you know, find a new footprint? So I thought, well, that's an opportunity. So I did. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, a, a few years passed, and as I'm on that trail, look what I'm finding in Simcoe County. Penetang, Ontario. Ryan Orser, eight, nine years old. Michelle Simpson, Robert Tebby in Huntsville. Every time I turned in Simcoe County, there was somebody under with potential under a stone and went, geez, maybe I can find a way of pulling it together. Because everybody had their own agendas. So away I went. And I, I gained with some experience. And four years into it, I came up with an idea, living in Aurelia, believe it or not, for one year on this little train ride, I also got a beautiful place with a, with a pool. It was called the YMCA. You were able to get everybody under one roof then? That was the idea yeah. of going, I could see or had a vision of pulling everybody into this uh, opportunity, as I called it. And I thought Aurelia would be a great spot to uh, make the starting point. Did you have a goal, or did did you were world champions, Olympics in mind, or where where did you see that? Where did you want these skaters to go? Was there a level? I saw an opportunity that there was simply it. It'd be up to see what we could do with it. But these people are also eight years old, nine years old, and you see something, and I'm you know in that zone of sixty nine years, uh, nineteen sixty nine. I was nineteen. And by the time I'm obviously I'm 23, 1973. So by that time, I got a little bit of a feeling, a little bit of my over my feet, a little bit. But the found the thing I found the most was the amount of help I had. It's so young to start <clears throat> out. It's not easy. No, no, it's not easy. Nothing's easy, and nothing's worthwhile. But I figured out early if I believed in a goal, and it was worthy of my time. Because you can't get time back. And I, even that back then, there's no time to waste. So if you can wrap yourself around a group of people that believe in your thought and your idea and help with that foundation, 
So the Blair Ashmores and the Tom Brandles and the Mundles and the Bundys and all of that in Aurelia, they helped get the Brian Orser rink built. There you go. They were the, the drivers. They sat in the backyards handing stuff out and trying to create work. They sold the city of Aurelia that if they built an ice rink, I would start a skating school there and we would call it Mariposa School of Skating. And then it was in 1988, you came to Barrie and Allendale Rec Center became the hub? Well, exactly. So again, now we're 17 years into this. Yeah. And the uh, city of Aurelia, uh, again, brilliant, amazing. I can only say enough great things about that was my starting point. We're having difficulty growing as quick as I was. I was in a growth pattern. By 1987, we had a world champion. We'd already been to 17 Canadian championships. We were already had novice, junior, and senior Canadian champions. We were on the move. So I just think, I never thought he'd leave Australia. Yeah. I believed that that was going to be home base. As it turned out, it didn't. And it was nobody's fault. It was, we all had to become better and take advantage of somewhat the timing. And Barry reached out with a, a number of people on the city council there, said, before you leave Simcoe County and you head to the Cricket Club or California or somewhere else, why don't you sit down and have a chat with us? Simple and clean. If something works out on Aurelia's side, that's cool. Leaving Simcoe County, bad idea. Build here, keep it here, maintain the depth of it here, and let's see where that goes. So them, in the truth, reached out, and in 18 months... Which one of my goals was, if we can build an ice rink with that Olympic size and it's attached to a high school, it's a win-win-win simply because it's not the greed of sport. Everybody has to go to school and be educated. With Innisdale High School, it became a natural that they build that rink and we put join education, Barry Colts, and all of that together. And we have a better package and we're also in a network where people can reach out from Aurelia to Barry, Penetang, or, or any or any place yep. any place in the world because the airport now is just around the corner. So Brian Orser, Elvis Stoiko, Jennifer Robinson, international international uh, uh, skaters too, national champions, Olympic medalists, world champions. I can recall seeing you on television. You know, Elvis Stoiko's performing or whoever. Just one story. Give us what is the atmosphere like? Um, you know, the celebration of win and the agony of defeat for 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 you. And uh, for the for the performer, too. Well, I never thought that we ever lost. No matter what the medal was, I always felt we won because we did the best we could on that day and we were prepared as much as possible, surrounding ourselves with the universe. You live in Barrie, but I'm a citizen of the universe. So you reach out in your universe and teach other people. It's like a magnetism. Chemistry is building. Cohesiveness is building. And we take care of ourselves on, no matter what the mark is, no matter what the score is on that day, that we laid down our best and we, we marked just for that. The competition is never about the other guy. It's only what we did at that moment. And sometimes we didn't get what we wanted and sometimes we did. No matter what, we always celebrated. And this is what we don't do in life enough. We're too quick to celebrate the result. We don't celebrate the effort of the day-by-day sweat equity that goes in it to make you a better person, a better soul, and driven and help you believe that that goal is around the corner and we're going to make it, period. Thank you, Doug.
What Barry's talking about on the road at Bradford Greenhouse, speaking with Gabrielle Pullman. And what do you do around here? I'm the assistant store manager. So you do everything. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. We were sitting around at work while everybody was complaining about the high price of vegetables and wondering if you're getting a lot of inquiries from people now wanting to start their own vegetable garden. Yes, um, in the last couple of years, um, everybody, I think, wants to be a gardener and for different reason, everybody wants to try their hand at uh, vegetable growing, fruits, and um, we're seeing a very big increase. But not all of us have a green thumb. Nope, um, some people might not have a green thumb, but you can learn to have a green thumb. And I think that's um, really important is when people decide to do a vegetable garden is you need to educate yourself a little bit before just planting. Because a lot of time, if it doesn't work out, it's just the knowledge wasn't there to be successful. Everybody can grow something if you have a bit of dirt and sun. Yeah, but it's not as easy as just putting some dirt somewhere, throwing some seed down and hoping for the best. There's there's a lot involved there, and I, I suspect a lot of people get discouraged at some point. Yes, because they go through, a, it, it is a lot of work. They go through a lot of work and don't get the crop they were expecting. Um, so what we suggest is if you're looking to grow a vegetable garden, just make sure you have a nice sunny area. If you have full shade, it's not going to work. Um, you have to be prepared, plan ahead. And there's great resources um, in stores, on the internet, about gardening, um, how to start successfully a vegetable garden, making sure, like, I think a lot of time, I was just talking to a customer this morning, and they basically planted so many things, and she's like, nothing grew. And I said, well, did you allow proper spacing for your vegetables? And she was like, no, we just planted everything, and thought we would get like a vegetable basket harvest. And I said, no. <laughs> I said, plants, you know, need space. They need air. They need sun. So you've got to find out those requirements and then start planting your garden. Sometimes you might think you want all these things, but you can grow only three because that's the space you have. That's okay. You'll have a great harvest if you do that. And I bet there are some things that are easier to tend to than others. Yes, um, there is some really nice dwarf varieties now, so they're nice and compact because we all know you plant zucchini, cucumber, watermelons, it just takes over your garden. There are some um, varieties of cucumbers now, like the patio snacker, it's really nice and compact, so you, you actually have room to grow these with a tomato plant, a pepper plant. Um, so yes, it's just picking and choosing what's right. So what do we need to start with. You, you talked about a sunny place, a, a plot. Maybe we have to take up some grass for that plot. We have to take into account little furry creatures that might wander in. Yes, um, and you don't even have to have a backyard to have a vegetable garden. You can actually successfully grow vegetable in pots as well. Um, we're seeing lots of that for tomatoes and peppers. Um, so basically, regardless of whether you do a vegetable garden in the ground, a raised planter or a pot, you need a good soil. So it will vary depending on those situation. Um, if you ha live in town or even in the country, the, crit the critters will certainly like your harvest. So you might have to take some prevention measure to keep them out, um, such as chicken wire. And then you'll have to deal with pests as well. Um, so we get fungus, we get bugs. Um, but there's ways of, you know, addressing those situations when they do arise and actually helping prevent them. Um, that's a big thing is just making sure you're planting like marigolds are beautiful little tiny flower or big um, 
usually used in mass planting in gardens, but they're actually great at deterring insects. Really? So really pretty in a garden. You plant your vegetable garden and you border your garden with a marigold and you're actually attracting pollinators as well because we need those for um, pollinating our tomatoes and cucumbers and such. What's the easiest thing for somebody to grow? If they're just getting started, they want to try it out this summer and they want to maybe do two or three things, what's the easiest thing for them to get started with? Um, I'd suggest tomatoes. You usually can't go wrong. I mean, you might not want to start them by seed. You might just want to get a, a plant just because the hard work is done for you. Um, peppers are fairly easy and lettuce. It's actually a, a nice one that you can just keep on cutting and actually sowing so you have harvest all through the summertime. And what's the worst thing that somebody could decide they want to, to, to grow for consumption? The, the thing that's going to be the hardest for them to deal with? There really isn't anything you can't grow is maybe the timing. Um, so if you're looking something with a really long growing um, period like melons and stuff, because our mother nature throws us a bunch of curveballs. So depending on how warm the summer is. Um, so it's usually not timing um, your harvest properly. So planting too late in the season and then fall comes and frost hits it and you didn't get anything or um, really what we see every year is we get so anxious to plant in the garden and we forget about frost. This could be a really fun project, especially if you have kids, you get them involved. Um, a lot of times, like, there's nothing, you know, better to see when you start putting your little seedlings in and then you have, like, the two leaves that come out to see, like, the children so amazed and to know that, you know, and their little bean plant turns into this amazing thing by July that they're actually just picking off, you know, the leaves, those beans ready to eat. So it's great. All right. If people are interested in doing this, they've never done it before, they can come out to Bradford Greenhouse. Do they need to make an appointment to talk to somebody or just walk in and say, hey, I need help? You can just walk in and say, hey, I need help. We have um, very knowledgeable staff that will be able to assist you. We have a really well-stocked seed um, section right now, and there's always somebody around. Thank you for your help today, Gabrielle. Appreciate it. And hopefully we got some new green thumbs this summer. I hope so. I hope so. It's worth a try. What Barry's talking about is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry has to offer and more. We've covered a lot of ground in our first nine months, got up close and personal with Barry's new police chief, Rich Johnston, delved into the frustrations of those trying to get women's hockey on the map locally, and discovered a Facebook group dedicated to helping millennials find a mate. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through any podcast distributor. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, we check in with Barry Colts broadcaster and writer Gene Pereira for an update on the team's first-round playoff with Hamilton and get a preview of what's in store this year at Canada's Wonderland. Now this. Our community rocks. It's a well-known fact blood transfusion saves lives. It's also a well-known fact that the world relies on voluntary unpaid donations to fill the need for blood. The need for blood never ends. Canadian Blood Services in Barrie is calling on you to help save a life. Please consider donating today. Appointments are mandatory and must be booked in advance. Book today at blood.ca through the Give Blood app or by calling one 2 donate Our community rocks. On Barry's Rock Station, Rock 95. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely.
Going, going, going to Canada's Wonderland, about a month away from this year's opening. Always a new ride or two and other things to keep you entertained. Our MJ gets the big picture from Wonderland's Grace Peacock. You guys have unveiled what we can expect for when the doors open this year and a couple of um, new exciting additions. Let's start off with the little guy, the the new thing that uh, kids can see at uh, um, Snoopy World. Yeah, so we have a new family launch coaster coming to the park called Snoopy's Racing Railway. And this is going to be for the littlest of our guests. It's going to be an exciting little ride. It's coming to Planet Snoopy. And I think this might be the first coaster experience for a whole new generation. It's a fun little zippy ride through a wild railway adventure. I love that. And I love that, you know, it's still like, I mean, I still remember taking my kids and they're slowly starting to get older. My daughter's getting out of the little kid rides, but it's, you know, it's kind of hard for them sometimes when they can't go on some of the roller coasters. Yeah. And I think we all remember our first coaster experience. You know, for me, it was Ghoster Coaster, which we still have the wooden classic that's in the kids area. Um, so it's nice to have a new option, right? So the Snoopy ride, I think is going to be an exciting ride for the little ones. Okay. And then let, let's get on to the big guy here. The, 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 Tundra Twister. How long has uh, this guy been in the works? Uh, well, our ride planning is uh, it happens over several years. So um, a few years back, we started working with um, the Dutch rides manufacturer Mondial, and um, they've actually created a few of our other rides here at the park. And so this is a, a one of a kind. They've never built this anywhere else in the world, and it's really exciting. If you've, uh, we've just re- released an animation trailer this week so you have to kind of see it to understand it but it's going to take guests 360 degrees 47 meters in the air flipped right upside down up to speeds of 75 kilometers an hour so if you can imagine a giant pendulum sort of swinging you and then the seats that you in are also spinning it's going to be wild and it was funny i heard someone yesterday describe it on tv they said it looks like thor's hammer and you're on it It does spin like that. That's true. Yeah, because the gondolas at the bottom look at like the base of a hammer. That's very true. Yeah. yeah I thought that was like, oh, that is an excellent description. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. And a, a couple of new things added um, to the park as well when it comes to sort of, um, you know, you guys are really great of always offering new themes and stuff. You, of course, you've got Winterfest, but uh, uh, you've added a couple of new additions too. Yeah, we have a full lineup of events um, throughout the year. Uh, we now like to call ourselves a, a Four Seasons Park because we do go through Halloween and, and Winterfest. Um, but we, the summer is just jam-packed. You know, we have fireworks happening every long weekend. Obviously, we've got the 20-acre water park as well. Celebration Canada is returning. Kids Fest uh, is always a great time for the kids. And we have three f- uh, food festivals happening in August. Um, returning our Taste of Portugal and Taste of the Caribbean. And the new one this year is Taste of Brazil. Brazil, which I'm really looking forward to. Those Latin American flavors are going to be really great. Oh, any special dish particularly highlighted for Taste of Brazil? Um, well, let's see. We just did a food tasting. There's a lot of um, grilled meats and chimichurri sauces. Um, there's some really festive drinks, um, cocktails and things like that. So we're going to have a full menu release closer to the festival. And uh, I guess last but not least, so um, obviously the last couple of years, I mean, I know you guys were open last year, but, you know, it was a, it was a touch and go couple of years uh, for mm-hmm. the last little bit. Is there still any type of restrictions at the park? I know it's not as abundant as it was, but is is there still some restrictions anywhere, or is it? No, we're pretty much, you know, back to back to normal. Um, uh, restrictions are 
that have been lifted at the park. We did have, you know, capacity limits and like masking and that sort of thing, um, you know, several years ago. Um, but no, it's it's back to business as usual. Um, you know, guests are certainly welcome to wear masks or do what they like to do to, to keep safe. And we do have hand sanitizer throughout the park. And we did maintain our enhanced cleaning um, procedures at the rides and on, you know, um, common surface areas and that sort of thing. But so far as the guest experience goes, it's just like you always remember it. And when do you guys officially open the gates? Our opening day is May 5th, but we do have um, a special Seasons Pass Holder sneak preview happening on April 30th. So if you're a pass holder, you get a chance to get in before the public does. Everyone has a favorite ride at Wonderland. For my family, it was Whitewater Canyon. Only because our raft was always turned, so it was my back that was to the waterfall when we went by it. Barry Colts got off to a great start in their best-of-seven playoff with the Hamilton Bulldogs winning the first two games at home. It's now a best-of-three affair after two losses on the road in the hammer. Barry 360's Will Conkin takes a look back and a look forward with Colts broadcaster and writer Gene Pereira. Ah, feels good. Some playoff hockey. What doesn't feel so good, though, is the Colts are even 2-2 in their first-round series against the Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, Barry looked on fire to start the series with a 10-2 win in Game 1, but less so after that. Uh, Gene, what's been the biggest issue for the Colts uh, through the first four? Well, I think, you know, when you look at uh, especially the two games in Hamilton, I mean, uh, they, they've stopped playing their game and playing more Hamilton's game, which is more a bit of the gritty, rough-and-tumble stuff. And, uh, you know, for Barry, I think they're the more skilled team, and they have to stay away from that and with a chance to, you know, take a 3-1 series lead and come home with an opportunity to wrap it up. Uh, they got kind of mixed up with that, and, you know, the, the penalties proved costly with four power play goals uh, by Hamilton. And... Um, it's a little bit what Barry did to, to Hamilton early in the series, capitalizing on the power play. And Hamilton did that last night, and all of a sudden they're, they're even 2-2. And I thought uh, head coach Marty Williamson kind of said uh, said it well after uh, ga- the Game 3 loss. Uh, There's no easy games. These are young men, and sometimes we think it's going to be a bit easier than it turns out to be. What, uh, what do you kind of make from that? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, in the, in the Ontario Hockey League, I mean, there's, you know, you look at, you got to ignore standings, you got to ignore things. Come playoff time, uh, you know, any kind of momentum is huge. And, uh, you know, uh, you got you got to show up every night, and it doesn't matter who your opponent is. And, uh, you know, Hamilton, uh, nobody uh, expected Hamilton to, uh, to necessarily, uh, they were not the favorites in this series. But, you know, there's a lot of talented players, Panwar, Lardis, on that other side of the rink. And, uh, you know, uh, Hamilton showed uh, going against Barry this season, splitting their four games, that they, they can win hockey games against Barry. And, uh, you know, that's something I think for Barry. I mean, the, the main thing is now they, got, they come home, uh, they got control, they still got home ice where they've played really well. And, uh, you know, they're going to get their captain back, Brant Clark, after a one-game suspension, which is going to be huge, and you can bet that he's going to be kind of chomping at the bit to get back. Clark had 11 points in the first three games uh, before being ejected there with that knee major, and uh, so we'll see that. I mean, and we'll also see whether Hamilton goes back to, you know, they didn't hesitate to kind of go after Clark and, uh uh, you know, because of that, Barry made them pay on the power uh, power play, and 
if that's the game plan again in, in, in game five back in Barry, then the Colts power play will have to make them pay. Yeah, it seems like uh, the. I think you had mentioned it off air. Uh, Hamilton's really kind of hen, head hunting at uh, Clark. Uh, what does uh, Marty do to kind of make some changes? He kind of already has, and uh, Barry is still without uh, Bo Gelsma as well. Yeah, I think you know. Obviously, you got to stay away from that. And you know, the way to stop that, or, or to kind of put it, is uh, what they did in that first game, especially, is take advantage of the power play opportunities you get and. Uh, you know, if if you're not scoring on a power play and they're getting all these penalties, then they're going to continue to do. And you know, look, Hamilton's going to do what they can to throw off Brant Clark off his game. And uh, you know, for him as well, uh, as well as the frustrations, he's going to have to find a way to to kind of take that out in a different form than he did the other night. And uh, you know, they need him on the ice. He's he's a leader. He's the best player in the entire hockey league. Right now, I think he's shown that here in the second half and early in these playoffs. He's just a, a true impact player. And, uh, um, you know, I expect, knowing Brandt and, and the type of character he is, I expect him to come up big in that game five. Barry has won uh, two at home, and then Hamilton has won two at home. Do you think the home crowd has uh, played a factor to it at all? Uh, certainly. Uh, Barry's had a couple of good crowds. They've been much better. And, you know, it's one of the things they really cleaned up in the second half was playing better at home. Uh, they're you know just as good a team on the road, uh, but they've been much better at home. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, you know the last line change when you play at home. Uh, you be, you're able to match the lines to to what you want and kind of dictate uh, the style of game that you want. And I think that flips back to Barry. That's what you work for all years. That home ice advantage uh, to get that advantage and. Uh, um, it'll be interesting to see now. I mean, now Marty can get out the lines, uh, the combinations that he wants up against uh, Panwar and Lars to kind of shut their, their big guns down. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be big for Hamilton now. They, they lose that. But, uh, uh, again, for Barry, I think it's getting back to playing their game. Uh, very skilled, uh, you know, two-way game that... Uh, no, Barry, when they're, when they're playing at their best, they're really tough to beat because they don't give you a lot of chances. And um, that's something they're going to have to get back to here on Thursday night. It's uh, best of three now, and uh, this is another week in the books for us. Hopefully not the last, though. Uh, game five uh, Thursday at Sadland, like you said. Game six Monday in Hamilton. And then game seven, if, if necessary, is back in Barry on Tuesday. Uh, thanks again, Gene. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Will. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian, MJ, and Will for their input and to Matt Ladder for his technical expertise and also you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to what Barry's talking about, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with what Barry's talking about on Facebook and Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, barry360.com. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.